0: This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Our guest today is Jesse Roberts, who's the founder and CEO of Cheekies, a very popular online boutique. It features cool Western-style clothes and jewelry, all kinds of things for women. Jessie has published a fascinating book, Back Roads Boss Lady, Happiness Ain't a Side Hustle, Straight Talk on Creating the Life You Deserve. The book is an intriguing combination of business advice, particularly aimed at women entrepreneurs, and the true story of Jessie's own life, from her troubled childhood to her big success as a boss. She'll share some savvy advice for you, for your career, and for your life. Jessie, uh, just to get started, would you tell us about your brand and your fabulous business, Cheekies, and how people can find it, and what it is that Cheeky is and does? Well,
1: I would love to do that. It, I have found that um, I have this awesome story, but sometimes people don't always listen until they get like a big old smack in the face with some of the statistics. Uh-huh. Of and so um, because uh, we're not necessarily mainstream, we're more backroads roads and um, we're for country folks, uh, there's a lot of people that um, may not be aware of who we are. But we are a um, retail and wholesale apparel and jewelry company that is located in rural Idaho. We are in New Plymouth. We have about 1,500 people in our town Um, (laughs) and we are currently selling um, e-commerce and then to 3,500 or so retailers throughout the United States and Australia. Yeah, we've done a little over uh, $20 million in sales without a conventional bank loan. And um, we were on Inc.'s 500 uh, for the fastest growing companies
0: uh, last year. That's fabulous. And Thanks. And I've kind of studied you online. I haven't ordered anything yet, but I've looked. Um, so I, before we get to your bigger story, I have to ask, who are your cheeky's chicks and how did they start calling you boss lady well those are like
1: two separate questions yes <laughs> but, um i actually talk in the book about how the whole boss lady uh thing came about i wasn't 100 percent comfortable with it in the beginning um but i've become a little bit more um you know, comfortable with the title. I don't want it to ever feel like it's self-serving. So I want other women to feel like they have the ability to be a boss as well. I'm not the only boss lady. I think I'm just one of the boss ladies. Um so the chicks for us, we've worked really hard to understand our market and our demographic. We actually We have six different um, core personalities inside of our chicks, but the chicks are really a community that I built um, out of my customers, and the majority of those girls are country girls or girls that might not fit into that um, metropolitan boardroom 100% of the time of their life. So we do have lots of girls that are uh, coasties and in big cities that love the product, but it's definitely something that they typically wear after work or uh-huh. just incorporate the jewelry into their uh, daily work attire. So, we definitely are the rednecks, the bikers, the farm girls, the
0: country girls and and I love that about us. You know, I love country music. And Awesome. I'm. I'm not. I don't always hang out with a crowd that shares my taste, but um, every once in a <laughs> while, I get to go to a concert. And when I was looking at the side, I thought, "All right, I know where to shop next time." I'm with my niece in in uh, Texas, and we're going to go to a big concert. But it's it's really fun stuff. And I, I, uh, I, I, will tell you that I actually have read your book, and I loved it. Um, and I, I think that you have. Um, so many really savvy, smart business suggestions. You're data-driven. You understand marketing and market research. But the book is more than a business book. It's a really intriguing (laughs) conversation uh, with your readers. On the one hand, you're saying, all right, this is what you have to do when X happens in your business. But you're also telling a very personal story. Can you Uh, share with our our listeners a a bit of your story and and, and show them that you didn't get to your great success through a traditional MBA route.
1: Right. I think that there are um, so few. Well, let me back up a second. I was actually really um, against my title because the book, it is a, a book that even if you're not in business, it can help you with, you know, like business stuff with work, understanding your peers or your boss, or um, even how to be a better employee. Um, and originally it was going to be a business book, but as my co-writer and I started writing it, um, we decided that it needed to be more than that. And I felt like at times that the title and cover, just really didn't give the audience um a true like picture into what the book was going to be like you know but it was my first book and so I learned a lot of things through that process but when I started out I actually didn't want to write a book that wasn't like my goal I was approached about writing it and um very blessed that my publisher saw that there was a story in me that women um, and men needed to be able to hear. And um, she was originally looking for a Heartland book. And I feel like we were able to accomplish um, several different types of book, all in one book. It's
0: an amazing combination.
1: Thank you. And what I wanted was, you know, how the book even started was me sending a message to Ink Magazine social media uh, department and saying, hey, I really love uh, your magazine and I love all the content you put out. But have you ever, you know, considered or really thought about the fact that there are so many mom and pops out there and um, boutiques and uh, small retailers that could really use content that works for us? And, um, you know, we don't always have the resources that you talk about and, um, and yet collectively we, we do make a big difference in, um, you know, the economy. And so, uh, they, uh, kind of took that little challenge and, um, they have been working very hard, uh, to try to produce more content that works for the small retailer i'm I'm very proud of the relationship that i've managed to grow and have with ink magazine and they um knew someone that was a book agent the book agent reached out to me and it was kind of a snowball from there and so my first intent was really to provide a book that a a regular person um which i feel like we all are but sometimes forget could actually go into Barnes and Nobles or your book retailer or uh, pick the book up. And that day, the day they started reading it, they could start to find um, skills or a plan or a principle that they could implement immediately. Not only in their business, but maybe in their relationships, um, whether they're business or personal. And actually start seeing a difference um, that they didn't have to go get something or uh, buy something or, you know, start something they could, they could literally just make a change with themselves. And, um, and that was my real goal was to have a book that was relatable, um, across the board from beginning to end, uh, that it would work for just about any business owner or entrepreneur, or even just a person in general to be able to find some contentment and also be driven
0: at the same time. As you wrote the book, you uh, were very authentic. You were really sharing the times that things were rough and the times you had doubts and the times you were in tears, But and you also talked pretty honestly about um, members of your family and um your friends and your coworkers. Sometimes all some people are all three of those things. Yes, <laughs> that I know that that uh, took courage, but it, it makes for a wonderful writing and a wonderful book. How have all of the people who are uh, close to you how how have they reacted to to your your very real and honest and and also fun book? Um, A lot of the
1: people that are in the book, I made them aware that um, they were going to be in the book and we talked about it. You can see there are some people who are not identified. Um, There have been some people that have reached out that were not identified and they were angry. Um, And then there were also people that were I'm really honored to, to be mentioned in the book and, and didn't realize the impact that they had on my life. But I feel like um, we all are that way. You know, I don't know that we actually realize the impact that we have on other people. And so I'm constantly trying to encourage not only myself, but people around me to realize, um, you know, just how much we affect others. And the memories that we leave with others, um, I was very nervous. And so I actually had my aunt Shirley, who is probably the toughest, meanest and hardest loving woman I've I've ever known. I had her read the book first because I knew that she would not be scared of telling me, Hey, Jesse, you messed up. Like you can't put this in (laughs) there." And, um, I was really happy that she, uh, she gave it her blessing. The book also spent six months in legal, um, making sure that, uh, we covered all of our bases in the book. But I was very authentic. And, um, there was this moment in the book. I don't know if you, uh, remember this part where my co-writer and I talk about, uh, our discussion about him being on the, on the, in the book. And me acknowledging him. Uh, He is typically a ghostwriter and does not take much of the, you know, limelight. Yeah. And I did not feel like that was fair. I felt like it was just so inauthentic for me to claim that I can run this business, uh, be a mom and just write a book on the side. Um, I needed other women to know that it takes more than just me to do great things. And so he told me, he's like, if you're going to do that, and we're going to tell the publisher that I'm going to be on this book, he goes, then um, there are other things that you need to also be willing to tell these women, because he felt like there were so many people out there that um, they needed to hear that they weren't the only ones that might not have a supportive spouse or do have a supportive spouse. That they're not the only ones that have been abused and overcome that, or are still dealing with it. Um, you know that there is there is um, domestic violence. There is uh, that goes both ways. There is um, sexual harassment that happens. There are bullies in the business world, and there are bullies in our own schools and from our own neighbors. And so it was really important that I just put it all out there and say, hey, you know, you're not alone. Um, it doesn't mean that we get to whine about it, but it, it doesn't mean that we have to ignore it and we can't acknowledge it. You know, I was very terrified to have an asterisk next to my name and to have people say, gosh, that Jessie, she's done a lot um, being the victim of uh, sexual abuse or uh, physical abuse. Or she's done a lot for a single mom. Um, I wanted them to, to recognize and realize that I had done a lot for just being human, you know. Um, and I wanted them to know that I didn't need to be the biggest or the best. And um, it wasn't necessarily that I had something to prove. It was, it was just about me and, and finding what worked for me. And so that was very scary,
0: well, one of the um, one of the things in, in terms of responses uh, to your book um, that I kept wondering about was your husband. I ended the book feeling very fond of him. He really seems like he's been a, a wonderful <laughs> partner for you through through your your adventure with Cheekies. How did he feel about the book?
1: Um, my husband, uh, <laughs> he's. He's not perfect, but gosh, he's dang close. Um, he was very proud of me. He was, um, he would get angry for me, uh, especially if there was someone that he didn't feel like was supporting me that should. Um, he, he's very comfortable with me being the center of attention. Um, I'm not as comfortable with it as he is. And, um, I will say that I do hear often, well, I don't have a Justin, you know, so she was able to do that because she had this amazing partner. And I just want to say to those people, because there are quite a few that I also didn't have a, a family unit like you would might suppose and I didn't have a town that rallied behind me um and so I created those things and if you want a spouse like Justin and you want customers like mine and you want a community or you want a family then get off your butt and find it make that happen I I, make yourself a person that can have someone like him I, I think
0: that really came through in the book uh, I, I think you did a really good job of, of showing that um, there are a variety of ways to build your family. There are a variety of ways to build the support network, and uh, different people take different paths. There was one example of a woman who had a best friend who was really supportive. There, there I thought, were very good lessons on how you look around and you f- see the bright spots and, and you build on them. Another theme I thought you handled really well, again, through honesty, uh, is, is talking about how to get past failures, that when you're reaching out to people, they don't always say um, yes. They, when you're counting on people, sometimes they let you down and, and, and maybe even con you. And you uh, felt okay crying about it, but then you got back up, Right. Do you have any advice about for for starting entrepreneurs, starting marriages, or people starting anything about how not to to get too discouraged at the rough spots in the beginning?
1: Well, I think that um, there that advice might be different in um, each instance. You know, when you're first starting out in a relationship, I definitely believe it's important to make sure that the the end is the same for you. Um, If it's not, then, you know, sorry, that's a machine in the background. (laughs) Um, If it's not, then cut bait. You know, like, it's time to get out. Uh, There's no sense putting yourself through that. And sometimes that's the same even with friendships. Um, And I guess guess that works for jobs too. Uh, But I do think that people oftentimes just... uh, give up on loyalty. And I, I hate seeing that. I hate seeing people think, Oh, you know, like I had a bad conversation with my boss. I'm I better start looking for another job or, you know, I've had employees that have worked for me that have um, made some really big mistakes. And I always say, I I don't really judge you on the mistake. I'm going to judge you on how you handle it. You know, are you mature enough to admit that you made a mistake and that you, um, that you want to get past it, that you want to, to be different. Um, I do believe that people can change. I don't believe that, you know, a leopard always has, uh, its spots. I think that, that you're able to, to be a better person if you really want to be. So I think the biggest, um, thing that I could give as advice to that, because I make mistakes all the time. Um, and as the world becomes more, more and more text-driven. Uh, more and more mistakes and miscommunications, I believe, happen, you know? So you have to very quickly be able to cue in on um, if someone is not receiving things the way that you meant them to be. So I did, I think the biggest uh, advice I would give you is to just be self-aware and not be afraid to say that you're human and allow other people to be human I had a guy on LinkedIn, um, you'll get a kick out of this. He sent me a message and he said, Hey, Jesse was hoping we could get together for coffee. Um, he was a salesperson, right? Well, um, a couple of days later he sent the same message, but he said, dear Sarah, you know, I was Uh hoping uh we could get together. And my publicist watches my, um, LinkedIn account for me. And she's like, I think you might've made a mistake. Uh, this is actually Jesse. And I kind of stepped in because he was like unbelievably embarrassed. And he was just like, I am so sorry that I did that. You know, that was a, a mistake. And I, I messaged him back and I said, you know, um, we're really, we're human. And I know that you're trying to make a living and, um, and it's okay. And he's like, I can't believe that you are so understanding to me. And um, that shows a real sign of leadership. And I said, well, if we don't have empathy, then um, we're really just teachers. We're not leaders. If I can't understand that you are human, then I really am. I'm just, I'm kind of failing. Well, at my first book signing, he showed up. Oh, that's and great. And he was like, hey, I just want to let you know that I wanted to support you back. Like, I wanted to be here for you because you were so kind to me. So, of course, I autographed his book and um, signed it Sarah. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I just think so often we become so quick to be judgmental and critical of ourselves and of others. And and you really can um, create a long term relationship Uh, just by allowing other people to be human and and allowing yourself to say, hey, I'm a real person and I, I messed up. Like, can I have a chance to fix this?
0: We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash one of its school well one of the things you you talk about a good bit and I think it comes through indirectly as well in your book is that you are very committed to not only letting your your employees your team members be human but Encouraging them to keep learning from every event and to keep growing. Are there um, ways that you work on on mentoring or helping people grow that might be useful for other people to try? Do you have any suggestions on how to how to be a mentoring uh, boss?
1: I I definitely do. I. I think that, uh, one of the first things I always ask people when they come to me for help is, uh, what was the last book that you read? And, um, people like to say, Oh, I, Oh gosh, I can't hardly remember. You know, I, I do audio or I've done, you know, like I, I listen to a podcast or I do this or I do that. And, and I do think all of those things are great, but I feel like people in general are looking for that, instant gratification, uh, but it's more instant education or instant advice. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I would encourage you to read audibles are great. And, um, and I, and they do help, especially if you're commuting and I audible quite a bit. So I feel like so often people are looking for someone else to give them the answer when really, Um, their brains are wonderful in and of themselves. And if they give themselves time to think and listen to the advice that are in books or um, in a, a podcast even where there has been a considerable amount of thought that has gone into that content, and then they listen and they give themselves an opportunity to think and develop their own answers Um, that they can be, uh, so much more stronger and committed in the resolutions to their problems. So, uh, that would be the biggest thing is how are you educating yourself? Are you spending time every day, uh, learning and, um, and investigating what you think, what, what you actually want, um, not what your mentor or a guide or a coach wants, um, I don't know if you remember the story in the book where I talk about the gentleman that worked for me that um, he wasn't selling very many cars. And um, I saw him at a ball game. Yes. And he was just so unbelievably happy with his family. So I was like, okay. So the next day I told him, I'm like, you can leave as soon as you sell a car. And he's like, what do you mean? You know, like I can, I can sell one at nine o'clock in the morning and I could go home. And I was like, yeah. And so he like made sure that he had appointments set early in the morning and he was gone, you know, like most of the time, but he moved to selling 20 cars a month because he didn't want to be there. And so, you know, oftentimes when I mentor people, I'm like, you know, this could be huge. This could be big. But huge and big isn't necessarily what that person might want. So I'm often asking them, what's perfect for you? Like, what is your ideal life? What is the life that you want to design for yourself? Not the life I want to design for you. <laughs> and, um, and oftentimes they're not the same. And so I would really encourage people to um, self-reflect and spend time educating themselves and learning about what they really want.
0: I, I think that's great advice. I also would say from your example, and you were just talking about, you, you started learning about sales on a car lot and you were very good at it. But I, I, I think for a lot of different um, um, activities, a little bit of sales experience can be very handy because it, uh, if you're good at it, you learn to listen and you learn to think about what the customer wants. And um, having that, that orientation toward the customer it, it seemed to me to kind of carry over to the way you um, treated other people you you learned early to to listen and figure out where are people and how do i how do I address things that they're interested in
1: yeah, I think that's going back to the earlier advice of just being very self aware you know um and And in that, I don't mean paying attention to yourself as much as I mean paying attention to how much of yourself you're putting on other people. Yes. And not um, allowing them to really flourish inside of the conversation or the relationship. And, um, you know, I think that everyone um, has to sell all the time. Okay, Um, it's just inevitable. People always are like, I don't like selling. Well, you know, it's not necessarily selling if it's something that you are, you know, that's benefiting both people. And so I don't think it's a bad idea, especially for people entering the workforce to instead of maybe an internship on, uh, you know, sitting in an office, watching someone, maybe go get a job that sucks for a little while. Um, go work on a car lot. Go work at a cell phone store or um, a gym selling memberships. And um, and just learn some of those things. Test out the things that you are reading in books about
0: sales and see if they work. I, I think that's great advice. Uh, just get some practical you know, either, either experience. You're only going to have the job for six months. Yeah, just...
1: Give yourself that so that you can say, okay, I learned that this did not work. I learned that this did work, that people liked it when I did this or didn't do that. Um, And use that time to watch the salesman around you um, and see what are the successful people doing and and what are they not doing. And and look at it like it is an education or a class. You know, I ask people all the time uh, when I. I'm interviewing them, especially for sales positions. I say, hey, if you were going to go to school and, um, you know, what if I offered to put you in school and I, I paid you a couple thousand dollars a month to go to school. And at the end of one year, I uh, for your second year, I was going to give you a, a raise. You, I would double your income for you. And then um, again, it would continue to raise until you hit about $100,000 a year. And at the end of that, um, you had no student loans. Is that something you would be interested in? Well, yeah, of course they would, right? And I tell them, that's what I'm offering you. Like, if you could treat your job like you would a college course, study for it, Um, get um, excited or nervous about those exams and those meetings and Um, Those things that are coming up the same way that you would dedicate yourself at night to studying and preparing for uh, a test. I I guarantee you, you can you can get a lot farther and um, you can get a lot more out of it. But people don't think of that. They don't look at their jobs that way. They think, oh, it's a job. You know, I'm there those 40 hours there, you know, but. For some reason, we think about it differently when we're going to school and we're actually
0: paying to be there. <laughs> well, you've suggested two things that work really well together. One is no matter where you are in your career, keep reading. There's so many great books now on how the mind works, how sales happen, how, how people can stay healthy, all kinds of things. And then if you're always um, practicing um your skills in dealing with people on your job, no matter how humble or boring it may be, there are always opportunities. So if you're getting the engaging with the books and then trying it out, no matter yeah. how limited your do- your job is, you're still getting ahead. All right. Well, this, um, I feel like we could talk for a long time about, um, about these things, but <laughs> I just noticed the clock. And I, I want to change gears a little bit and ask, um, a slightly different question because it's something that I'm personally really interested in and that's about how um, how it's possible to create a business in a rural community. There's such a need for jobs and there are young people who want to stay in town and um, can't find jobs but there are also other people who love things the way they are and can be suspicious. Small communities are not always the easiest place to um, create a business that might meet change. Do you have any suggestions or comments, particularly aimed at people who are looking at starting something new in a rural community? Well, I definitely, um, it, it is a struggle.
1: And so it, it, it can be very scary. I think that if you are wanting to start a business that will, um, serve you and your family. Um, a rural community is a fabulous place to do that. If you are looking to start a business that is going to serve you and thirty other families, you might consider uh, moving to not an unrule location, but a place that has a population that might be closer to thirty 000 to fifty thousand people. Um, it is. Unbelievably difficult for me to find employees. It is um, my job pool is so small, and um, you know I'm even though we are doing a lot of volume, I mean, we still do not use conventional bank loans um, or lines of credit to do our business. So that can be really hard. So we don't have the funds to move people from uh, large areas out here and meet those salary demands that um, that they might have so I can say that if you are looking to live in a rural area and you are an executive a manager a great um, you know white-collar employee uh, you might look at the cost of living in a rural area and consider a lower, Uh, salary so that you can have that lifestyle and reach out to businesses that are of interest to you, that you would enjoy, that you would love being a part of, uh, because chances are they don't know how to find you and they're looking for you and they need you. Um, So I would definitely say that um, be very cautious of the types of employees and the amount of employees that you will need in the future. I'm also looking at infrastructure you know, we have outgrown our infrastructure multiple times and even again have, and I just bought four buildings in town in the last year and I'm already looking for larger warehousing. Um, so, you know, our these buildings were built in the 1800s there. They can't handle the weight of our equipment and the use that we uh, put on them. So, I mean, even my little town, You know, you were talking about how they uh, don't—they're very leery of change. Um, The biggest problem that my town has right now is the fact that my 30 employees take up all of the parking in front of my buildings, and uh, they don't like the fact that um, I might have somebody parked in front of one of my buildings that that might want to pull into town and walk across the street to the grocery store—that's four aisles—and so my girls walk from a block away to come to work so that a senior has a place to park on the days that the senior center serves lunch, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, (laughs) meanwhile, I'm also dealing with an importing issue (laughs) that involves, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, but I still have to have the same amount of heart and concern for the senior that um, needs to be able to park in front of
0: my space. In a in a um, small town, <laughs> you you can't forget the individuals. Yeah, it's it's well, it's quite a mix of activity you have going. Now, before we quit, I want to. Um, Make sure everybody knows how to reach you. First, uh, the, the the book is Back Roads Boss Lady. That's the quick title there. And the your brand is Cheeky's. That's C-H-E-E-K-Y-S. And online, that's Cheeky's Boutique. Is that right? Yes. Yep. You can find us. Um, oftentimes, if
1: you just search for Cheeky's Chicks, um, C-H-I-C-K-S, uh, it always comes up. There is no apostrophe in cheekies, um, and you can find me um, on Instagram at Backroads Boss Lady on Facebook at Backroads Boss Lady. Um, I'm very approachable. Um, sometimes I'm traveling, and it's a little bit difficult to get a hold of me, but that doesn't mean that I don't care and that I'm not there. And um, and then of course you can check out our super sassy. Um, apparel and jewelry um, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, like I think we're on every social media
0: outlet that there is, uh, but most of the times it's under Cheeky Sticks. All right. And so um, I want to make clear, although Backroads is part of your brand, um, social media is um, also part of your brand. You are right up front in learning how to use Facebook and and um, the modern era of marketing. I congratulate you on on what you've built. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jesse. Yes, of course. I appreciate you having me. Today we've been talking with entrepreneur and boss lady who tells it like it is, Jesse Roberts. Today's career tip is that. No matter how tough things look today, you can make the choice to keep moving on. Take just a little step now, and take another step tomorrow, and soon you'll be working yourself toward a better place. If you've enjoyed our show, please tell your friends, and would love it if you could give us a five-star rating. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO.